0: 43 books to present in an hour, so I've got my timer started and I'm going to start right now. Okay, Solomar is a fantastic and very sweet, if you want a book that's fun and easy and sweet and everything turns out all right in the end, this is the book for you. It does get at the themes of ecology and what do we do when we're in tough places? Do we give up, do we say we can't help ourselves, or do we keep moving forward? And it's it's a great nice book. If you're looking for a book that's easy to hand to any kid, this would be one for you. Because everything turns out all right in the end, but it's a good it's a good story. Um, the next one, those kids from Fawn Creek by Erin and Trotta Kelly. She has won a Newbery Medal before for Hello Universe. This is a story told by uh, a very shy student. Her name is Dorothy. She's one of the misfits. There's the God Squad, the girls that are always in the youth group. There's the really popular rich kids in a class of 13. And then there's a new kid who comes to town and she shows up. She's this cute girl and her name is Orchid and she's a free spirit. And as they find out more about why she's there and why she keeps moving all the time, You start setting up a mystery and how is the girl who was the leader of the school, the popular girl, dealing with everything because she moved away but everybody still keeps in touch with her and she still has her fingers on the strings. So what do the kids left behind have to do? Those kids from Fawn Creek.
1: Um,
0: How to find what you're not looking for. As an adult, this is a really weird read because it's told in second person. It's all you. What would you do if you were doing it? if you've ever watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it's a little bit like that. But as a middle school teacher, this is, I'm sure, what kids sound like in their head, because I know that's what I sounded like when I was in seventh grade, and hearing their conversations. It's very realistic talk. Um, It's set in the late 60s, just following the Loving versus United States court case, where interracial marriage became decriminalized. Um, the main character, Ariel, is Jewish, but they live in a very not-Jewish neighborhood. Her beloved older sister elopes with a young man from India, which would have been illegal several months before, and now is okay, but how does the family deal with this? Now, my one reservation with this is, okay, as an adult, this kid has a reading disability, she's dealing with her sister eloping, the family's about to lose the bakery, there's part of me that goes, oh my goodness, this kid has everything to deal with. But it, all kind of weaves together pretty nicely at the end. So I would highly recommend this book. It, it really talks a lot about the social scene and the, the civil rights movement of the late 60s in a pretty accessible way for kids. Um, next one, Concealed. This is just a fun thriller kind of novel. Um, at the end of the story, and this is where things get interesting, it gets a little far-fetched. Everybody, you know, there there are spies and there's, you know, the girl has been on the run. She gets a new name for every time that they move. There the the family rule is absolutely no photos ever. Well, she accidentally is in the background of a photo that gets snapped and suddenly the bad guys are out to get her. But the question is, who are the bad guys and why do they want her? Do I give you the spoiler? No, no. Sorry. Okay, it's on there, Sorry. So you can ignore the spoiler. Um, what it does really get at very in a very interesting way is the ethics of bioengineering so it, it's most of the book reads like a really sort of fluffy sci, you know spy novel, but the ending is very interesting Waterpress, i 'm going to have a hard time not crying talking about this book, so i 'm going to keep it short and sweet. Get this book okay. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: it is. It it is rare that a book gets a Newbery Award and a Caldecott Award at the same time. And this book totally deserves both of them. The artwork is just fabulous and the story, the short, suite, is how do you deal with memory? And how do you deal with the past, hoping that your, this is where I might lose it, hoping that your children have a better future? And how do your kids deal with not knowing the past Knowing your parents want you to have a better future. How do you deal with that? It's a great story. The Last map maker by Christina Soontornvot. I just like trying to say that. Um, We have five copies we're going to give away for free at the end. We'll tell you how that's going to work. She wrote, I forget what, I wish in the dark. Yeah, so wish in the dark, thank you. Um, I love this because it gets at the themes of ecology and colonization the dark sides of those. And the young woman, the main character of the story, wants desperately to become a mapmaker, like her, her great hero. Because the mapmaker is the one who has opened up the world to the kingdom and the queen. But then when she gets chosen, despite her shady background and her con man father, to go on one of these voyages, she starts to realize what opening up the world up to the queen has meant for some of the colonized places, has meant for this complete stripping of resources from some places, the (coughs) dehumanization of people groups. So what does she do when she's asked to find some of the last places that have been undiscovered? And what does she choose to call them on the map? Is it Pleasure Island or Desolation Point? I'll leave it at that. It's a great story. Loyalty. This one is a great story. Quick little personal background. My great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was a guy named Job Arnold. His brother was Benedict. Benedict Arnold. Yeah, so it's not my direct antecedent, but it's his brother. And this story starts from the perspective of the son of the local pastor. It's a small town. You know, there's only one church in town. And he has been loyal to the king. And part of the family prayers every night are, God save our majesty, the king. And then in comes some of the town members who are on the, we want to split from the crown. They drag the father out, far, tar and feather him. And it's, it's graphic. So this is something that, it's a great, great, different perspective because we have a tendency to teach U.S. history from the perspective of the Patriots were right and we should split from England and it's all good and everybody was on the same side and realistically and historically, a third of the people were like, yes, let's split from England a third of the people were like, no, let's stay loyal and the other third were stuck in the middle. So there's that part, so the kid becomes a spy for the British Army. But then he meets his friend who helps him to survive through some tough circumstances, who is a young freeman, he's a young black man, who's free, and he's terrified of what happens if the British win, what happens if the Americans win, because there are absolutely no guarantees that he will remain free. So who does this kid have to be loyal to? Um, There is an author's note at the end that specifically references the events of January 6th and says, what does it really mean to be a patriot? (coughs) So, you know, if you've got some parents that are really very strong feelings one way or the other. Just be aware that's the author's note at the end of his own book. Uh, Ghetto Cowboy came out several years ago. It's the basis of the movie on Netflix for Concrete Cowboy. I think it was 2011 is when it came out. And the new sequel to it, which he never intended to write a sequel but decided he should, is Polo Cowboy because it's it's a great natural sequel. You know how some sequels feel really forced? This one works really well. Um, There is some swearing uh, in *Polo Cowboy*, his cousin gets shot under mysterious circumstances. We know the cousin had been in drug deals. We never really know exactly. It's it's a part of what happens. It's not a graphic description or anything. Um, when I read it, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that that fits with the story. I know for younger kids, that could be really traumatic to find out that you know his best friend, his cousin, has died. How does he deal with this? Um, it's about. Uh, the black cowboys of Fletcher, well, the the real people on Fletcher Street in Philadelphia, North Philadelphia. The kid is, at the beginning of the book, unceremoniously driven from Detroit by his mother out to Philadelphia to see his father that he's never met. And she leaves him there because she's like, I don't know what to do for you anymore. The path you're on is going to end you up in prison or dead. You're starting to run with the wrong people. You're tagging stuff like a little gangbanger you need, you need a man in your life. And so she just drops him off a curb, accidentally kills a horse while she's leaving, and (laughs) dad goes, what am I supposed to do with this kid? And that's where the story takes off in um, Ghetto Cowboy. And it's all the wonder of how do you find your passions in life, and what do you do with them? All right, I have to keep going. Um, Tamarind and the Star of Ishta, again, it's a lovely fantasy story. It's set in modern times. Um, the, the hero Tamarind, her mother died when she was very, very young. Her father took her immediately from India and back to, um, went to England. Has had a life there, raised her there, she loves playing soccer, she's a modern English girl. But she desperately wants to know where her mother was, and her dad will not talk about her. So when her dad remarries, her stepmother says she really should go and meet her mother's family which sets up some new interesting dynamics with her relationship with her stepmother. And in meeting the family, she starts to get to know the family and where she's from and all of that, but nobody will talk about her mother. I'll just leave it at that. But she meets this mysterious monkey that leads her into a mysterious wilderness part of the garden where she meets a mysterious girl named Ishta. Great. If you keep it in the fantasy realm, it's great. If You have a kid that's like, ooh, I like other religions, and this might be proof that these are real, too. It does start diving into, Ishta is also a uh, a Persian goddess. So do you have a relationship with this goddess who is the reincarnation of your mother? Or if you keep it in the fantasy realm, it's fine. If you start looking at some of the the religious ties, just be aware of it. And last of all, race for the escape. I was on a children's theater group back in college, and one of the things we tried desperately to avoid was books with a, p- a very specific agenda, where the message is written real big across all of it. And this is one of those books. It's by a very popular author. It starts out as the, the girl, Amy, is, gets to uh, go to a escape room, and she meets these four other random kids. And immediately, it's save the puzzle, save the world. And the first room starts like catching on fire. You're dropped into this, like, really serious story, like, how are we going to survive? And as things go, they manage, like, it's always last-second escapes. You know, it's exciting. But at the very end of the story, you find out, after all the other characters are killed off under mysterious circumstances, like, one just sort of dissolves into dust in front of her. Which could be kind of scary to read, depending on your reader. And at the end, you find out that Amy stands for... I always forget the A. Artificial machine intelligence. Amy is AI. She's programmed. Her father, her creator, has designed her to save humanity from itself. And that's where personally, as a Christian, I start having a problem with the, the book's concept. Are there problems in our world? Absolutely. Are we destroying large chunks of our ecology? Yep. Who's our savior? The program we write or God? Who do we turn to for the reason why we should care about any of these issues? Yeah. In this book, it's very clearly humanity's got to save itself. And that's where that's, that's the real issue I have with the book. I mean, it's, it's fun, it's fast-paced, whatever. But it's, it's that last chapter, because Amy's solution to this is I'm going to swim off away from humanity and start solving these problems on my own. I'm like, then what have we unleashed? So, there you go. Next. Oops. Oh no, nope. you gotta go one more. Oh, one more. Sorry. Do you want me to push the buttons while you talk?
1: Oops, I went the wrong way. Yeah, there you, you watch it. Sure. Great.
0: I like pushing buttons. <laughs>
1: uh, my name is Kim Van Luu, and I am a teacher librarian at Calvary Christian, Pre-K through eighth grade. So I do a lot of reading to kids and poor kids. Um, the first book I have on here is a clean romance. So middle schoolers, uh, <laughs> there we go. What I did like about this wasn't, wasn't just romance. It was also kind of a literary deep dive. Um, a high school student wins an all expense paid trip to England and uh, with her teacher. Her teacher is very rich. It's wonderful. I'm like, very rich. <laughs> All right, your <suspended laughs> Um And so she heads over there, and it's it really becomes like a scavenger hunt uh, along the way. Um, and she dives into uh, some of the uh, classic authors there. It is um, absolutely clean. There's two kisses in it, and it also talks about how Love isn't the be-all, end-all, which is what we want kids to know, especially those girls who want the romance. Uh, So uh, in the author's notes at the end, she does um, also talk about Jesus being, you know, thank you to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and so that's all in there too. Great. Next one, Lines of Courage by Jennifer Nielsen. Jennifer Nielsen wrote Rescue a couple years ago. It's a World War II book. This one is World War One, and I loved it because I am not necessarily a total history buff, and I never quite understood why did World War One start. And this book explained it. There really wasn't an explanation for why World War One started. It's like, okay, that clears that up. Anyway, it's, it is the story of five kids, each from a different country, uh, going through World War One, and it is a great um, it has a great tie-up at the end. The author really skillfully manages to bring these kids that are all very different, summer boys, summer girls, all together. Um, it was a great book. I didn't think it was contrived. I thought it was great, but some people might. Uh, the next one, Voyage of the Sparrowhawk. This one is, could be for younger kids, too, but I do think it's great for uh, 5th and 6th graders, too. Maybe 7th and 8th, might the cover might look a little young for them. Um, this one is also World War I. It takes place in the aftermath of World War I, and this boy is living on his own, waiting for his brother to come back from World War I. If his brother doesn't come back, he's being sent to the orphanage. And so he and his new friend uh, figure out a way to go on an expedition with their barge, which is not meant to cross the English Channel, but they (laughs) managed to do it. So uh, it's a great story. And um, again, World War I, there's not, I feel like, a lot of books about World War I, so this was another nice one for that. Um, Next one. The Fort by Gordon Corman. I don't know if I need to say anything else about Gordon Corman. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, this one, I would say, reads slightly higher than some of his other books because there are five boys uh, that this book really revolves around, and they're deal- each of them are dealing with some pretty big issues, one of them being domestic abuse. <coughs> one boy ends up kind of hiding in this fort they find, and... Um, it's a great story about how friendship, what friendship means, how can you be a friend and not know that your friend is being uh, abused by a stepfather. Um, yeah, it was a great book, um, a, a lot, a pretty pretty deep, and I mean, who wouldn't love a bunker from the 1980s with all the videos from the 1980s and the music and the food and cans of food that is 40 years old that they're going to eat.
2: It's awesome. all, it, was, it was great! It was great. So, yeah.
1: Hope, hopefully you get that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, a Duet for Home is a great book. If you are looking for a book about justice, it's about homelessness. Um, and it takes place in a homeless shelter in um, Brooklyn, if I'm remembering right. Um, in this homeless shelter, it's for families, moms, and their kids, generally. And uh, one kid, Tyrell, has lived there for three years. A new girl June, moves in and um, they kind of figure out that there is a new policy in town the homeless shelter is there they are going to get those people back to a home as fast as they can it doesn't really matter if they have support there um, yeah it's a real great story about found family justice and and really the root causes of homelessness, and I think that's something, do we really talk about a lot? I don't know. Um, It was a a really good book. Um, Yeah, next one. Over and Out uh, by Jenny Walsh. Um, This is one that takes place uh, in East Berlin right after the Iron Curtain has, they built the wall, right? The Iron Curtain is there. And this girl, uh, I'm trying to, Sophie, <laughs> Sophie, uh, is um, on the East Berlin side. She does not know she has family on the West Berlin side until a bus comes. I guess they must have done some kind of tour thing. People from West Berlin could come over mm-hmm. to East Berlin. And she sees someone that looks exactly like her. And she comes to find out. Her mom admits, yes, I've got a sister over there. It's probably your cousin, blah, blah, blah. So... Um, It ends up being, she figures out a way to escape East Berlin. Uh, It is a great escape plan based on something that happened in real life. Now, I'm not sure a 12-year-old or 11-year-old really (laughs) thought up that one, but it was really good. Um, I say, um, Tara is going to talk about the book I Must Betray You. Uh, And this is a great one for maybe 5th and 6th graders, I Must Betray You is Hard to read, it's a great one, it's a great one, but there's some some torture stuff in there. This would be a great one for maybe younger readers or kids who might be more sensitive to that kind of thing. Next one, oh, spooky. Um, Gallant spooky. is the name of a house, and it has an evil twin house. This is total fantasy, maybe supernatural <laughs> suspense, because I don't know a house having an evil twin, but it did, does. Um, <laughs> Uh, Olivia lives in an orphanage. She doesn't think she has any family. She does have a journal from her mom. And she gets a letter from her cousin Matthew who says, come on home to uh, Galen, to Galant, go to Gallen. And um, she knows in the journal, yes, <coughs> do not go to Gallant. It is a bad, bad place. Well, she goes and it's great until she goes across the bed. And that's where we're going to leave it, because that's when the supernatural, spooky stuff comes in. So, great <laughs> one. Uh, Jennifer Chan is Not Alone by Tay Heller. This is the uh, same author who wrote uh, When You Trap a Tiger, which won the Newberry last year. Um, I like this one so much more than When You Trap a Tiger. Um, I started it, and I thought it was going to be The Hundred Dresses retold as you know in modern day and oh no you gotta bring in some aliens and everything from there so it starts off a lot like that though something bad has happened to one of the characters in there she's been bullied but you don't know exactly why or how that happened and so little by little that's part of the mystery and then this girl that has been bullied runs away again kind of like the hundred dresses except that one of the girls who did some of that bullying figures out what's going on and then uh, goes after her. Uh, and I will say there's no LGBTQ issues in this one like there might have been for some of you with Wendy Trevor Taylor. Uh The next one, this book I found when I had be- read like five young adult books in a row that I'm like, I can't use that one, can't use that one, can't use that one, so I'm like Googling clean YA <laughs> and I found this one, but I think it's like self-published. Um the author has designed the cover art, done it all, but it really is actually pretty good. Your daughter Yeah, Kate her daughter's She's reading it expert. right now. This is a dystopian allegory of the Joseph story. <clears throat> <coughs> I, it I found it really interesting. I liked it. I am not really a dystopian reader. But if I liked it I year, it can't be that bad. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of characters. I will say there are a lot of characters, and you know, like Joseph is one of many brothers, and he is in the story. He's many brothers. It was a lot to keep track of, but overall, I think if you read it, you know, uh, maybe yeah, Kate will Kate will not have a problem. No, probably readers won't either. So. Um, this is a very interesting book, and I am having a hard time selling any kids on reading it. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: I think it has a spooky cover. It looks kind of cool. But that word Dibbock, or Dybbuk, I'm not even quite sure how to say it. Dibbock. Dibbock, thank you. Might um, I even explained, I think it's like a mischievous ghost kind of thing. And, uh, Jewish demon. Yeah, G- yep, yep. And uh, it's set in a modern-day Orthodox Jewish community. I read the blurb, and I thought, oh, I read Orthodox Jewish, and I'm like, oh, this is going to take place a long ago, right? And then they start talking about cell phones. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, this is not what I'm expecting. So no, this is actually a modern-day Jewish community. Uh, The main character and her mom work at a mikvah, which is like the bath water you go in before you go into the Jewish synagogue um you know something bad has happened to her dad and so this book is really all about trauma what trauma can do to a brain and then your community how does your community rally around you um when you really need them it was a good book but i'm having a hard time i'll be honest selling it to any kids to read uh the world in between um i read this one and the next one this summer And with everything that was going on in Ukraine, it was it was kind of touching. You know, it was kind of hard to read. This is uh, takes takes a place from uh, a kid in Bosnia who has uh, just a normal kid friends. They're all different nationalities, and it takes you through the whole process of how does someone end up being a refugee? How do kid? How do your friends turn on you? How do your parents? How do your friends' parents turn on you? And he ends up in Vienna as a refugee and then over in America. It is a long (coughs) book, but it keeps moving. And if you're thinking about justice and what is a refugee and all that kind of thing, it'd be a great book for something like that. Alias Anna, the next one, is a refugee story from the Ukraine, set in World War II. Beautiful book. Um, It is... uh, uh, they had rounded up all the Jews in this town, and they were taking them on a, m- a march, a death march, to a concentration camp. And two of the little girls escape. They are piano prodigies, and they decide to hide in plain sight, change their names, alias Anna instead of Zana. Um, yeah, it was Amazing. really touching with what. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was really touching with what's going on in Ukraine today. Thirst uh, by Varsha Bajaj, I think. This is an interesting story for justice. It is not very long either. That was one thing I liked about it. Some kids will not look at a book if it's long. Um, this is uh, set in India, Mumbai. And who knew there were water mafia, but there are. Water is scarce. It is dirty. You can Pay for it. There are long lines for it in the slums of Mumbai. And if it runs dry, then you really have to pay for it. And um, some kids end up seeing someone stealing water, part of the water mafia, and uh, then it goes on from there. Minnie's brother has to leave. Her mom ends up getting sick, and Minnie has to take over running the house in addition to trying to study for her exams and balancing all that was pretty tough for her so okay this book if you have not seen this book you as adults need to read it uh, just as much as kids Uh, this is the sun does shine an innocent man a wrongful condition and the long path to justice by anthony ray hinton if you've read just mercy anthony ray hinton is one of the death row inmates that uh, Brian Stevenson freed mm-hmm. from death row. He wrote his book. I was in Chicago at the National teach, uh, National Social Studies Teachers Convention in 2019. Anthony Ray Hinton was a speaker. Everybody in the room. Where was Johnny? Did I see Johnny in here? We got, all got a book. She left. Uh, we all got a book. And so I was introduced to the adult version. This has now been rewritten for kids. It's still really the same story. There's a few things. Some of the death row, uh, the execution is toned down a little bit. But um, it is just an amazing story. He is unashamedly Christian. And in the National Social Studies Teachers uh, Convention, for him to just be talking about Jesus and Jesus is the one who freed him, it was a beautiful thing to hear. The room was packed and People were crying and clapping. And yeah, it was great. Probably the most important book some kids probably need to read because you know what? Good people end up on death row. And mm-hmm. this is what that story is all about. A good man who ended up there unfairly. Oh, Alan Grant.
0: <laughs> I just read it.
1: <laughs> um, all right, if you have people sensitive still about climate change, this might not be the book for your <laughs> library. Uh, oh, wow, it's in our library, so. <laughs> Three kids are being impacted by climate change. Horrible hurricane hits Miami, which I was reading it just about the time Ian was coming through uh, Fort Myers. And then you have the wildfires in California and starving polar bears <coughs> up in Churchill, Manitoba. All of these, you know, classic Allen Gratt, I mean, you know, in the hurricane, the, the water's coming up, the house walls explode, she's in the water, she finds a boat, the boat sinks. it goes on. I can see my kids love it. Um, the three storylines do come together at the end, not nearly as skillfully, I will say, as Jennifer Nielsen's uh, lines of courage, but they do come together. Um, yeah, I think kids will eat it up. I know Tara's daughter yep. took it home. I don't know if she likes it.
2: She just keeps feeding her <laughs> Ellen <her laughs> <and> grass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next one, Free Water uh, by Amina Lukman Dawson. Uh, one thing I loved about this book was that there were no slaves. The term was used called enslaved souls in the whole book. So Homer and Ada are enslaved souls. They run away into a nearby swamp. And they find a whole community of runaways there. Um, This book is based on actual uh, archaeological, (laughs) something like that, (laughs) Uh, digs that have been going on in, um, uh, yeah, in some of those swamps in South Carolina, I think it is anyway. um, This story is kind of told from many different points of view, which at times got a little confusing. Three pages with one person's point of view, three pages with another. I think, it didn't bother me, but I think some kids might have a hard time following that. It is a long book too, um, but it's really good. And I think there's plenty of action that once a kid can get into it, it'll be fine. So, yeah. um, Yeah, it's really good. And Lisa McMahon, the Forgotten Five Can't read this one too Flames Yes I think this one it can be great for maybe fourth grade and up. <coughs> there are five children of supernatural criminals. They fled Estero City to hide and all the adults have now either left them or died these five kids are left alone in this deserted island. Well, not Zuri. They decide to go to the city to see if they can find one of the kids, Birdie's mom. Um, yeah, and they encounter civilization really for the first time. They lived on this island. What's a cell phone? They, they have some money, and they try to use the money, but that money doesn't work anymore. You've got to have a credit card. It's just, you know, one thing after another. It was, it's a fast-moving book. The next one in the series, which, of course, I haven't read, but it's coming out November 8. So, uh, yes, and the last one i got to hold up. Here, I'll grab it. Okay. This is, uh, well, the last one of this series. This is by Christine Webb, a teacher at a Christian. It's yeah. coming out beginning of, uh, of November, but Bookbug has some copies. This is good for 7th and 8th grade. I have made it halfway through because I just got it this week. Um, it's really all about, is Christine here?
0: I think she's out of the book, book. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah uh she's a former student too we about. She's no teacher,
2: yeah. former student. she was in my
0: eighth grade homeroom years ago yeah. ours, so. Yeah.
1: so um it's really uh, a lot about mental illness so seventh and up um they're uh the main character over the summer had attempted suicide and now she's coming back to school from this she's a 12th grader and how do you navigate when some people know things and some people don't. And it's, it's really good. Um, I'm really enjoying it. But seventh grade and up is what Christine told me mm-hmm. because of the mental health stuff. Um, here are some books I recommended some reservations, uh, just so you know. The last Quintista, this is the Newberry winner. Um, a Quintista is a storyteller. Um, I really liked this book. I actually listened to it on audio, which was great, because I'm not great with Spanish, and then I could hear the beautiful language of that. Everything is told in English, too. It's not like you but to hear some of those phrases in Spanish was beautiful. Um, It takes place in the future. Of course, it's science fiction. Uh, Haley's Comet is going to blow up the Earth, and a few people get to escape. They've got these rockets that are going to take them 300 years. It's going to take them 300 years to get there. They're going to be put to sleep uh, and not age on these rockets. Um, It sounds really far-fetched, but it was really good. And then once they get there, then, you know, there's a whole other thing going on. It was a long book, I will say. It was long. Um, The Reservation, one time God is referred to as a she, and there is a minor character with two moms. Not a major character. It's mentioned. So, okay. Ain't burned all the bright. This is the book that got gets me teary-eyed. Jason Reynolds. <coughs> um, I don't know. Has anyone seen this one? Okay. Yes. Oh. Let me. Sh- can you grab that? Yep. Okay. Follow this is up. kind of a graphic novel about the pandemic and George Floyd. The George Floyd issue. Um, there, there are very few words in this book. Um, I think I've heard someone describe it as three really long sentences. <laughs> so it's very uh, image-based and it's from the perspective of a kid living through the pandemic whose parents, and this is what slays me, are watching TV all the time, watching that Anthony Fauci uh, updates. And watching what's happening with uh, you know uh, Minneapolis burning, Um, yeah. So Um, I have a 19-year-old. Maybe I need to say that too. He was 17 during the pandemic. So uh, if you, this is going to be my book of the pandemic. Like I just feel like I sometimes just need something to remember certain times, and this is going to be that book for me. yeah, I, I don't know. My, my reservation is, I don't know if kids are going to, especially middle school kids, are going to resonate the same way with it because they were younger when the pandemic happened, right? High school, I mm-hmm. think it might. High school, high schoolers really, really felt it. Younger kids, I think, oh, we get to stay home with mom and dad. That's not so bad, but uh, for, for this kid, anyway it's it's an amazing book graphically if you teach imagery at all this would be a great one because ain't burned all the bright but he's also sinking drowning at the same time so you've got the opposite images i i love that book okay anyway north wind gary paulson this is his last book of course because he passed away um it's a beautiful book i enjoyed it um Leaf is like a slave. When this book takes place, it's hard to tell. It's just very ethereal, could we say. Mm -hmm. Did it take place in the past? Is it the future? I don't know. He was kind of a slave. He's an orphan. was kind of a slave or on a ship. People die in a plague. And he's left on his own. So he decides to take off on his own. So the last two-thirds of the book are him on his voyage. No conversation, of course, because he's on his own, unless he's talking to the crows, or the whales, or whatever. Um, It's exciting in parts. Some reviewers I saw called it repetitive. I don't know, I just kind of feel like it was kind of maybe even like Gary Paulson Ride, you know, in his way of riding off into, you know, Sometimes wherever he is, I don't know, but, you know, I, it, it was an interesting book, I'm glad I read it, because it did kind of fit into what he's done, it's not that, I will say there's not a lot of action the same way in the of the books. Okay, and this is my last one. Coming up short, I, this one um, I re- first of all it's a sports book. I don't read a lot of sports books, but this has an interesting premise in that the parents of the girl who is in here, Bia, it uh, disappoint her. Her dad is caught. I don't know exactly they make it sound. Bia thinks it's not really his fault doing something with his law firm that's unethical. Uh, taking money. Some people interpret it really, really badly, but you can also interpret it as he being very naive. Um, And what do you do when the whole community knows your dad is now a bad guy? And it shakes her as a softball player. She was a very good softball player. It shakes her psychologically and so she no longer can hit the ball. And so she goes and moves to her aunt's for um, a few for the summer and then she kind of gets her old groove back. In my reservation, you need to know Bia has an aunt with an ex-girlfriend and it's mentioned twice. Um, I don't know. Okay, are probably alert to that now, so you need to know that. All right. Thank
0: you. Do you want to click or do you want right. mm. to click and you
2: Right. Good afternoon. My name is Tara Macias. I am a social studies and Bible teacher at Comanche Christian, and I have the honor of having a very small but wonderful girls' book club there. And so I'm always reading for my girls of what we're going to do in the next semester or year. So with um, the focus on um, diverse subjects and authors and female, excuse me, female protagonists. But they're not all that way. When I see an interesting book that might fit, I just read it, see if it'll work. So that's kind of the context of this. So some of these are older books, mostly because I didn't know that I was supposed to read newer books. It's okay. it's and right. so no, I we just we haven't read, read I just read what, what I work. was interested in to see if it would fit for my high school girls. That's kind of what the goal was. So the first one is I must betray you. Um, it is a book about Romania during the fall of the Iron Curtain if you know anything about this history or lived through it um, it's the only country that was not a bloodless revolution during the Iron Curtain so um, uh, so it is a great book for students to access that history Um, it is it does have some War. It's kind of during at the end, like the, maybe the last fifty pages or so, where they actually enter the protests as students, and then um, and then their friends get split up and family gets split up. But then there's this beautiful, sweet kind of afterword That is how the protagonists kind of come back together and how they've lived through um, through that very terrible, horrible time. the, um, the really interesting. about this is not just the history but how a system can begin to make people be really suspicious of each other and their family members and you're suspecting your grandma and you're suspecting your mom and everybody's an informer and are they really an informer and I'm hiding stuff and so how an authoritarian government can begin to twist our thinking through misinformation and, um, and just beginning to all sort of collapse on each other. And um, that was a really interesting theme. Moving on. Um, the Orphan Girl, um, what um, is actually a book, it's like a post-World War II historical fiction, um, so the very end of the book is the end of the Blitzkrieg. Um, and so this is set first of all in London, and then the family has connections in Canada, and so they end up moving to Canada, but it is a girl who has lost her dad he was a diplomat and there's a mystery behind why he was killed and then um, his family friends so adult friends and I would say that this girl is probably in her early 20s Um, and so um, Kate gets connected to a female doctor in London who has had her own war trauma and these two form a kind of a beautiful friendship around the trauma that they have experienced during the war, and it ends up that Kate also loses her mother in kind of the last bombing of London, and so she's left without parents. And it's it is definitely about promise keeping and um, how you support each other after trauma. And there is some domestic violence um, in this, and a little bit of war, well, the blitzkrieg, a little bit of war violence. Um, but pretty mild compared to other historical fictions that I've read, so. Show Me a Sign is a book that my 7th grade daughter brought home from her advanced English class at Western Michigan University. And um, I fell in love with it. I read it in one Sunday afternoon, and I would recommend it to adults, children, and anyone in between, um, especially if you love historical fiction it's all about Nantucket and the fact that on Nantucket during um, like right after the revolution during colonial times there was a whole deaf community and they developed their own sign language that um, much of it has become the basis of our American sign language and it's about a girl who's about 12 and she she's deaf but her best friend is hearing and she ends up getting kidnapped. And there's all this mystery. And Elise and I were just like, oh, this is the, best the best. So I highly recommend that one. There is a little bit of domestic abuse, um, or at least alluding to it. And she does get kidnapped. Sweetness in the Bottom of the Pie. Um, this was one that I actually heard about one of the newer ones that Ellen Bradley has in the series. And when I heard about that book, I was like, well, I have to start with the first book. And my high school book club just read it, and the, and the word that came to all of our minds was delightful. It is so delightful. It is so fun if you want a good one. It is a little bit of mature reading. There's murder. There's chemistry. There's, but this 12, 13-year-old girl is just saying there's all kinds of things going on. Um, but she is in a family that they have lost their mother and she has three sisters and um, she has her own chemistry lab, it's set in England during the 1950s and she is all way like five steps ahead of the inspector on how to solve all the mysteries because she is like the smartest girl on the block and she's, it's fabulous and she gets kidnapped and trapped and just got a cellar and all these twists and turns. And she's just this lovely girl that is smarter than anyone else in the room. And it, so, the, my high school girls just absolutely loved it. And so, I decided we're going to read one in the series every year. We can do so long. Um, and she poisons her sister with poison ivy and her yeah. lipstick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like revenge on the big sisters. It's so poison. It is oh, so fun. funny. You think, like, she's going to kill her, but actually what ends up happening is she just has poison ivy all around yeah. her. Nice. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Not Nancy Drew. <Daru>, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to give it to Elise, because Elise would love it. So. Um. Faria is a book that Kim actually read and gave to me and said, my level can't read it, but your level probably can, and that is a true statement. This is a more mature book, um, but um, it has so many good themes in it. Um, It's about a girl who lives in Argentina, and the Argentina law used to be that women could not play soccer on an official team, and so she is secretly behind her family's back playing on a soccer team to become a professional soccer player. And so she's sneaking away to do this and is very much culturally the machista culture comes into this. Her brother, who's a professional soccer player, knows and then she is she develops a relationship with her brother's best friend who's also a professional soccer player and it ends up to be a romantic relationship although nothing terrible happens. But there's all this um it, is, it really is a very good cultural look into how Machista culture has influenced um, Latino, Latino families and how, um, and how girls have just risen to the occasion in those, in those families. Um, she finally finds an ally in her mother and her mother helps her kind of discover her dream. Of being a stuff. and so it's a, and there are hard choices that she has to make, and um, so this is a really, it's a, it's a really good book about making, I think especially for females, making choices about what your calling is versus the love of your life, kind of thing. and so that was a good, it was a really good. Book. Um, the other ones, reservations. We are going to read Lilac Girls. We're reading it right now in our book club. Um, but if any of you have read The Nightingale, I would say The Lilac Girls is like the gritty, <laughs> rough version of The Nightingale. The Nightingale is about French re- resistance, pretty gentle, kind of, pretty gentle Nazi World War II concentration camp stuff. This is not. This is pretty. It's um, So if you're not willing to go there with your high schoolers, you might want to choose The Nightingale instead. Um, Uh, Lilac Girls is pretty blatant concentration camp violence Um, but it's about three girls that all experience World War II in a different way and it ends up that their stories all come together Um, but it's, it's pretty graphic and I made sure with my little group that they were okay with that before they took it home and one of my girls said my mom when I took this home in middle school, mom said I wasn't allowed to read it. So I'll take it home now that I'm in 12th grade and see what she says. So there, that gives you an idea. Like, it's, it, it's a little gritty. Um, but it does. the story does all come together, and it, there's definitely a redemption part of it. So. OK. Um, the Family Chow is a book that I just heard of on the radio. And I was like, that sounds like a good book. Um, it's a murder mystery. The father is, um, the family is an immigrant family and the, the father is murdered and it's, um, and it's yes about who kills the father but it's more about this immigrant family and how they have interacted with each other and the complications in their, in their immigrant family, how they have grown into adulthood um, with each other and it's three boys. And so they were the family that owned the Chinese restaurant in the all-white Wisconsin town. And then how the community just, oh, my gosh, they are so, they're such a great family. And we all go there, you know, on Friday night after the football game. We just love the Chow family. And then when something happens to the Chow family, how does the whole community react to that? Um, And so there's some sexual innuendo in it. Um, There is definitely emotional abuse. The father is emotionally abusive, and you'll see that's why people start believing that maybe one of the sons murdered him. Um, It definitely has immigrant stereotypes and deals with the issues of immigrant stereotypes. I think that's really important for us to hear and the treatment of, um, of immigrants. It does have some instances of derogatory language and name calling because they're referring to, like, this is how I've been called or whatever, or the community. After this tragedy happened, I think the most important thing about this book is that it—that you can't put all immigrants into a box and just say like this is how all immigrant families are, because the immigrant community is also diverse and it brings out the diversity of the immigrant community and how they react, how they interact with each other. And that was really and that's part of the surprise at the end. Um, Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine it is a book that I would love to do with my girls, but I basically had parents saying you may not do it. Um, and so I didn't. I took it off the list, so maybe in a few years I'll be able to do it. Um, but if you have read this book, it has themes of um, verbal and psychological abuse, alcohol abuse, and suicide and uh, a suicide attempt in it. Um, but it is a sweet, sweet Story about how we can influence somebody who's an outsider and bring them in to our community and make them feel loved and worthy and I loved it. So maybe not in your classroom but maybe you should just all go by. (laughs) It was just like the power of noticing someone who's on the outside and bringing them in and there's not really a romance in it but it is a male person who brings her into the community and just like, well, love wins. So it was just a beautiful book. Um, Where the crowd is, so you probably are all familiar with the story from the movie. I wanted to read it and see if it was appropriate for my girls um, to read and then see the movie. I didn't want to see the movie. Um, the parts that I loved about the story, which most of you are probably familiar with, is that it. Um, it really portrays the strength of Kaya, um, who is neglected and left alone. I liked how it doesn't—it's—it's it's not really about. There's some racial disparity stereotypes, but it's really about class. And I liked that it is different than just sort of the typical. I'm going to teach you about these disparities in society, which a lot of times are around race. It really teach, it taught us, it taught me about like class disparities and how we view people who are, look like us, but haven't come from the same background as us, and I liked that a lot. The Red Couch is by my friend Kate Meyer. She's a Western Theological Seminary grad and is also a counselor. She's from Holland, Michigan. She has written another book about grief, um, which is also highly recommended for your own reading. Um, I read this one and she said, I don't know if you'll be able to do this in a Christian school, so she already said that. It does have some references to LGBTQ relationships, but it's not the major thing. Um, it maybe references it three four times. Um, so her friends that she kind of goes out with. But it is a wonderful redemption story about someone who has been alienated from the church and the reasons why. And I think it's an important story to read as the church about why people leave the church and say, I can't be in a church that does this, and then how they sort of come back to, to their foundational faith in another point in their life. And so I do think it's a good book to read. I'm not sure if it would go over in all communities. So,
0: And we did it! Hold we did it. three books and less than out.